first ever beta episode of the Georgia Tech Catholic Center podcast. I'm TJ Capaldi, and uh, I will be f- uh, with two friends here for the first episode. I'm Alex Carroll. I'm focused missionary here at Georgia Tech, and happy to uh, be a part of this this flagship event. And I'm Father Josh Allen, the chaplain at Georgia Tech. I believe today's episode is uh, going to be surrounding um, Ash Wednesday, what it is, what we do, why we do it, and all questions therein related. So what is the first thing, what is the first thing you think of when you hear Ash Wednesday? Ashes on the face. Um, yeah, ashes and uh, repentance. <laughs> yeah. Like I think of of uh, like John the Baptist in the desert, or, or seriously, that's the first thing you think of. When you think of Ash <laughs> Second thing after after Alex Carroll uh, already stole the obvious answer. Yeah, that's my job. The first thing I think of is how tired I'm going to be after four masses. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm saying the same thing over and over again. In exactly. Foreheads. How many thousands of times do you have to cross somebody's forehead with ashes? It's a lot of ashes. It's a lot of ashes. So, what is Ash Wednesday like? That I think. It's this strange day when all of a sudden you can identify Catholics by the smudge of dirt they have on their forehead. And people kind of stare at you funny. Uh, oftentimes people point to your forehead and like indicate that there's some, something there that you forgot to wash off. Uh, all those kind of things. And other times you try to kind of hide it. Maybe you wash it off as soon as you can because you don't want anybody to see it. Uh, but this Ash Wednesday thing, it's really, really a very popular day. Yeah, what happens to me is I always accidentally wipe it off like on my shirt or something, and then I look even more like a fool than, than I already did. And then you have this kind of this guilt thing because you don't want people to think that you tried to wash your ashes off. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So. Yeah, don't be that guy. <laughs> Funny story. My mom, who works in a public school, she's a, she's a public school counselor, Last Ash Wednesday, she went to early mass, got ashes, and so she had them for the rest of the day at this public school. And most people kind of understood that she was Catholic, and they sort of knew about this this Ash Wednesday kind of practice. But her principal apparently was foreign to it; never heard of it before. And so he passed her in the hall once, and he just gave her the sideways look, and just kind of kept going. And then he approaches her later on in the day, and he was like, uh, "Tammy," that's my mom saying, "Tammy, what is uh, what is that on your head?" She's like, "Oh, it's ashes. It's the cross. It's Ash Wednesday. You know, it's all this symbol." And he goes, oh, I thought it was a swastika. I thought I was going to have to report you to somebody. Like my mom was some, like, neo-Nazi or something. She was like, no, it's definitely not that. One of the experiences that I have, it didn't happen until I was in a parish, but um, one of the experiences that I've had with Ash Wednesday is people who you've never seen before, ever, come to the church and demand ashes be placed on their forehead. You try to explain to them, we have six masses today. You come to one of these masses and you receive ashes on your forehead. No, no, no. They have to have it now. The people you've never seen, and they just they really want these ashes on their forehead. That's why. Well, <laughs> I, that that's the question. Why do people? Ash Wednesday is probably the second busiest day in the Catholic Church after Christmas. After Christmas, it's busier than Easter. More really? people come to Ash Wednesday than come to Easter Sunday Mass. How ironic. So. <laughs> Why is that? What is it about Ash Wednesday that's so that's so appealing to people? Like, why do why do people come to get dirt put on their forehead? I I find it very ironic considering what it symbolizes. But 
And then not going to Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, I think there's always the, the souvenir theory. Uh, that people just like to like get something, yeah. you know. Maybe that's part of it. But Maybe they really remember it from their childhood too. It's a very like memorable experience, like getting ashes on your forehead, like as a kid, especially if you went to Catholic school, like I did. I think those people that kind of fall away from the faith. They remember, oh, Ash Wednesday. This is kind of an important thing, and so maybe like it's sort of just a habit. But I don't know. But uh, Father Josh, why why do we do this? Well, I mean, there's a I, there's a theological reason, right? But I think it's fascinating to, and we're, we'll talk about that. But I think it's fascinating to just ponder like why so many people come on Ash Wednesday. Like, it's hard for me to understand because I never really did this before. I've never had this experience, right? But why would someone who doesn't practice their faith? So you've got a Catholic who doesn't practice, number one, or number two, you've got a non-Catholic, right? Why do they want ashes? I've so I have a friend here at Georgia Tech who is um, who grew up in a non-Catholic like mainline uh, Protestant Christian tradition and would always come um, would always come to the Catholic Center for Ashes because that was just what they were used to doing. It was just kind of like a tradition, and they wanted to continue to do it, and so they'd come to the Catholic Center. So really, I think maybe sometimes it's that simple, but. There's maybe there's something else too. I don't know. I'm sure everyone has a different reason. I think I think that's probably the case. But I think something kind of really fundamental that is attractive to people is this idea of, of ritual. You know, there's something about starting off Lent, this preparation period for Easter. There's something about starting off Lent with doing something mm-hmm. that's always the same, and it's got a physical, tangible meaning to it. I think we all kind of crave that. We're not just spiritual beings. We're body and soul. We, we like having that yeah. physicality to it. It's like Catholics, they go to some place. Um, like a lot of people, the first time they go to St. Peter's, especially Americans, they go to St. Peter's, they get worked up because they don't kneel in St. Peter's the same way that we kneel in the United States. Yeah. So if they kneel at all, they kneel just for the brief moment of the consecration. We stand back up. And Americans, they get all worked up about it. And I don't think it's because they have a theological problem with, <laughs> with how much they're kneeling. I think it's because like, we get used to the fact that, no, there's like this tangible thing that we do that for some reason they're not doing in St. Peter's, which I think is basically because they have so many people. Yeah. You can't kneel, can't right? Kneel that many people. Um, you, I mean, you just you physically can't do it. You take up more space kneeling than you're sure. standing. Um, but there's this tangible thing about Ash Wednesday. I don't know. People like, uh, people like it when they get dirt on their forehead. Yes, it's very sacramental. That's true. So, what does it actually mean, like for us? What what is what are the ashes about? I think the opening prayer for the mass for Ash Wednesday is this: it says, "Grant, O Lord, that we may begin with holy fasting this campaign of Christian service, so that as we take up battle against spiritual evils, we may be armed with weapons of self-restraint." Wow. What do you think of that? That's some nice language there. Oh, it's yeah. awfully militaristic. It is. Can we can we hand that out to everybody as, as along with their ashes? <laughs> ashes to get like a little piece of paper. Yeah. Can you can you read it again? Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe? Grant, O Lord, that we may begin with holy fasting this campaign of Christian service, so that as we take up battle against spiritual evils, we may be armed with weapons of self restraint. 
that appeals to my masculinity in a huge way. I'm ready to go. I'm, I wasn't excited for Lent before we started recording. Now I am. So. <laughs> now you know you get to be armed. Yes. With weapons of self-restraint. Let's go. That's right. It's like a straitjacket. <laughs> a weapon of self-restraint. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in that prayer, there's four things, right? You've got holy fasting. You've got a campaign of Christian service. You've got battle against spiritual evils, and you have weapons of self-restraint. I'll be dead honest. I understand the first, the third, and the fourth. I'm not even sure I understand what a campaign of Christian service means. What's a campaign? A campaign would be like an organized effort. organized effort of multiple people, right? So it's communal. Sure. Yeah, that's definitely Of important. Christian service. What's it service to? Like, I never have thought about Lent as service. Hmm. Well, it is a service, a service to God, definitely. Um, I, I mean, that's that's definitely one aspect of it. But perhaps it's the idea that um, any prayer and fasting that we do has got to be uh, united also to charity, right? To actually um, turning that into transformation of of life and uh, and becoming a better man or woman. There, therefore, so. So, if we're going to begin the campaign, I think it's. I think you definitely have. I think you have that right. It's got to have some sort of communal aspect to it, right? Yeah. Um, if we're going to begin a campaign of Christian service with holy fasting, I think that probably indicates that there's something about fasting that makes it possible for us to begin like that kind of campaign. Is yes. so. What is it? What is it about fasting? Like, why do Catholics fast? I don't even know. I don't know if other. I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't know if other Christian churches engage uh, in kind of fasting on a regular basis. I don't know like some Christian, I don't know on a regular basis, but I know some of them observe Lent in, in similar ways that we do. I know a lot of Christian denominations like give up something for Lent uh, in a similar way that Catholics might. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if they the have like, those standards that we do. Yeah, the idea of communal fasting, I think, is is there, like Alex said, there might be other groups that do it, but it's a very, I think it's a very Catholic thing. And almost, if we think about the church it's interesting how doing it communally doing it like the church saying let's all fast is is even more powerful statement than like me saying i'm gonna fast today or i'm gonna give mm-hmm. this up today it's like there's there's a bigger spiritual implication there i think that i think that's interesting too right so you've got fasting is is fasting on a personal level so, you know, let's just say it's, you know, September 3rd, and I wake up one day and I say, you know what, I'm going to fast from food today. Does that have a different effect than the fasting that takes place on Ash Wednesday? Personally, individually, I, I don't think so. Um, I think that level is, like, still there in the sense that that effect is, is probably the same. But then to do it together as a body... Adds a, adds an additional dimension. It doesn't necessarily take mm-hmm. away anything, but yeah, that's because uh, what are we doing? We're fasting, except for like mortifying our desire to have something, whether it's food or whatever it's whatever else it is. Like, well, that's I, what we're doing individually, right? Right. If I decide to fast from something, let's say I, I fast from something that I really enjoy, whatever it is, it's like a meatball, right? So I decide I'm going to fast from meatballs um, one day, or you know, more traditional fast. I'm just going to have bread and water one day. Um, I, when, when you say I'm mortifying myself, well, what do you mean by that? 
I recognize that I wanted these other foods besides bread and water, but I'm choosing not to. Why? Uh, to, uh, to grow in virtue, to grow in self-restraint and discipline, and to deny ourselves uh, in this time of fasting in order that we may be filled with something else. Here's a Fulton Sheen that says that when we fast, we remove ourselves from the physical world, and then when we pray, we uh, unite ourselves with the spiritual world or something of that nature. So fasting is removing ourselves from the physical world. Well, I don't know. It's it's necessarily tied to the physical world because if we're if we're just removing ourselves from the physical world, then that would I don't know, almost to me the way it's expressed like make fasting meaningless. You know, like the whole reason why fasting matters is because I am in the physical world and I'm actually like feeling, especially when I choose not to do something or eat something, how much I really wanted it or or like it increases my desire for it. Right. So, so we're trying to remove ourselves like from that thing that we're fasting from to like to give ourselves like a difference, a, a lesser importance to that thing and a more importance to something else. Right. And I was that yeah, I would say specifically God, right? Like, yeah, of course. To recognize like how much more important that is than than anything else, or how much more important God is than anything else. Uh, is there something specific about like Christian fasting? Because I remember, I remember being very moved one time when I was a younger kid watching the the movie Gandhi. You know, and Mahatma Gandhi, he went on these hunger strikes, right? Where he went, I think the longest was something like forty days. Ridiculous long time. Yeah, it was yeah. a really long time, and he it's not like he had any weight to lose, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> thanks, TJ. Buzzing phone. Little technical, technical details here. <laughs> but yes, um, Gandhi. So Gandhi, he goes on these fasts. Like, what's the difference between what he was doing and what we're being asked to do when we fast? Well, Gandhi's just making a public statement, wasn't he? Was this was this a religious fast? I don't think so. I think it was. I, I honestly don't know much about it, but. Um, which is probably not a good idea to bring up as an example. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's a good question, though. Like, was he, is he drawing attention to his agenda, to himself? No, I think he was doing it. It was for a purpose. Sure. Um, so that's not what Christian fasting is. No. So it's purposeless. Christian fasting is purposeless. Is that the statement? Is that, the, is that what we're saying? I really hope not. I don't think I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. No? Well, no, it's, I think it's what the purpose is, what the intention is, because if, if, if Gandhi's, let's say, let's, let's say, maybe it's not Gandhi, but if somebody fasted for, like, a political reason or mm-hmm. to make some kind of a, um, like, a public statement just sure. arbitrarily, then that's different than Christian fasting, which is pointed towards the, like, inner transformation of the person, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Inner transformation of the person. Right. Okay. So, like, by fasting, I can actually um, change my habits, like, and so, and that's what is going to, like, make me better, make me more, uh, I don't know, faithful to, to my commitment to God, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because if I know, if I can fast in something really small, then maybe next time, like, I can do that again, or I can fast in something something larger, some, some larger commitment, and I grow in my ability to say, hey, I recognize that this thing over here is better than this thing, and I can yeah. make that choice even if it's really difficult. So to go back to kind of the original question is, why do we think fasting is the beginning of a campaign of Christian service? 
I think maybe it has something to do with in order for us, like a campaign, if it's a concerted effort of different people in the church, I think in order for us to work together towards that communal end, I think there has to be some amount of, of our own desires that we leave aside, right? Any kind of communal effort requires us to subjugate our individual desires, at least sometimes. Sure. To subjugate our individual desires to that kind of communal desire. So I think the fasting is maybe to make room for the the kind of communal charity. I think that Ash Wednesday, when we're all fasting together, something different is happening than when somebody fasts individually. Something something different happens. Um, and I think that actually helps explain why why we would put ashes on our forehead. You know, Jesus is pretty clear that we're not supposed to do these kind of things, right? Yeah. When you pray, go into your room and pray in secret to your Father. Yeah. Your Father who sees you in secret will reward you, will reward you right? Yeah. Um, when you fast, wash your face <laughs> and don't look gloomy the way that, you know, whoever it is does. Yeah. So why is it then that we've got ashes smeared all over our forehead if Jesus says, when you fast, wash your face? I think it's got to have something to do with the communal aspect. Is it is it a sign of unity? Yeah. I think I think that might be it. I, I, I don't know. I really... Mm. I've never really... Uh, you know, when they retranslated all these things, uh, we retranslated all... When they retranslated the missile, we get a whole different kind of idea of what's going on than we did before. And this is one of the ones that... It just sounds very different. It's very, very militaristic, this campaign, right? A battle against spiritual evils and weapons of self-restraint. I think you do have to have this outward sign of unity. I mean, there's a reason why soldiers all wear the same uniform. Mm. Right? Uniforms uniforms are important. Yeah. Right? They have a they have a function other than just to identify to the enemy who you're supposed to shoot. Right? Hopefully that's not They bring you together. Same sport teams, right? Sport yeah. teams wear uniforms. And it's not just about you know, they could they could just as easily put on those like yellow mesh things over whatever sure. they're wearing. When you go to a basketball game, Pennies, yeah. but they don't, right? Mm-hmm. They they all wear the same uniform. There's something about that that unites us, common cause and whatnot. Very interesting. So, so real quick, then here's the so you come up and get your ashes, right? So here's the prayer that we use to bless the ashes. So first we have this uh, opening prayer for Ash Wednesday. Here's the prayer for the blessing of the ashes. O God, who desire not the death of sinners, but their conversion. Mercifully hear our prayers, and in your kindness be pleased to bless these ashes, which we intend to receive upon our heads, that we who acknowledge we are but ashes and shall return to dust may, through a steadfast observance of Lent, gain pardon for sins and newness of life after the likeness of your risen Son. I think something worth talking about there is we acknowledge that we are but ashes. I don't know that there's a lot of people that would agree with that. I could be wrong. What do you think? Yeah, that's, that's a hard truth to swallow. I mean, that's one of the things I say, right? When you come up to get your ashes. Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Right? What do we mean when we say that? That you're dust. I've, I've thought about this a lot recently because it's, it's, it's a tough thing to say although it's true in the sense that we're nothing without God um, that 
but in the same way, like what well, is dust it? Dust is something, right? Well, what does it mean um, to say we are dust, um, but we also somehow like how do we rectify that with the fact that we have like the infinite dignity of the human person, like that? See, what I think it's about, and especially prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, these things that are given to us here in life, right? I think it's all about remembering that we are destined for something other than this world. Yes. That you were made from dust. Adam and Eve were made from the dirt, right? Mm -hmm. They were made from dust. Well, Adam was. Adam was. Adam was, whatever. So Adam's been, Eve is, she's derivatively dust. (laughs) Um, So Adam is made from the dirt. And he's going to return to the dirt, right? That's what we do. We're, we're put back in the ground. We're going to die. Puts Ash Wednesday is about remembering that we are going to die. Yes. And that's right. the day people come to Mass the most, besides Christmas. And that's the day that people come to Mass <laughs> yeah. the most. Well, yeah, you know? I don't know. I, you know. I think instinctively they do. Wow. I think they do. I think our culture, like, we have this culture that doesn't want to think about death. We are all going to die. We are all going to die. That's a good note to end on. Mm-hmm. That's a great note to end on. Yeah, how hopeful. <laughs> but yeah. I do think I do think it helps explain the popularity. You know, if we go through our whole life pretending like this thing's just going to go on forever, then having that physical cultural experience that makes people kind of remember and pause and think, you know what, this isn't going to go on forever. It might not move people to believe in God. Maybe it just moves them to reconsider their life. Sure, you know? but. Uh, those kind of things do happen. So, at any rate, friends, I hope you celebrate Ash Wednesday well and yes. celebrate Lent well. This what is our I- first attempt at a podcast for the Georgia Tech Catholic Center, and hopefully we'll get better at it because so far it's not so great. But uh, Can we remind who, with the two or three people that are listening what, uh, what are the church's requirements for Ash Wednesday while we're on the topic? Sure, go for it. Uh, I would remind me. I was looking to you. What are the requirements for Ash Wednesday? I don't think there are any requirements. Uh, fasting. Oh, you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. For the day, yeah. So it's a day of fasting and abstinence, right? So fasting means that you do not eat. Traditionally, means you don't eat anything, right? But what the church says is that you either have one meal or two smaller meals instead of your normal three meals. Um, then and then it also says anybody over the age of sixty-five is exempt from that. If you're pregnant or if you're sick or something like that, you're exempt. Or child. Um, the church makes it kind of easy on us. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, and then abstinence means that even when you do eat, you don't eat meat. Yes. And we can talk about that some other time. Yeah, that would be a separate podcast. A yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us, the few people that, uh, that are listening out there. And we hope that you will listen again next time to the Georgia Tech Catholic Center podcast. This is TJ, Father Josh, and Alex Carroll signing off.